Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Red. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Welcome aboard, my peeps, my peeps. Bridge MCP says hi to 247. Bridge MCP says that Dan just read that him and the two kids, they are 21 days. Say the 21 the Supreme Court. Hey, folks. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP, Deb Denny. Deb Denny is very, very happy. Nanette Bird-Smith says, hi, PDR. How are you guys doing? And, of course, we have E2247 that says, hello, relatives. It's going to be, today's going to be, will be greatest ever visit for reals. I love your enthusiasm, my brother. AVQ, of course, is here with us. Standard, uh, he has a whole lot of stuff again. Let's get busy. Alistair Walters. How are you doing, my dear, beautiful friend? Welcome aboard Politics Done Right. And then it, Birdsmith says, you sound like you are underwater. Do I sound like I'm underwater? That's not good. I thought this mic was a better mic for that. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Do I need more volume? Is that what's up? Michael Rudden says, talking about this, New York Attorney General can question Trump and two children's judge rules. Former President Donald Trump and two of his children had sought block Letitia James, the Attorney General, from interviewing them under oath. These guys think they run the world. Uh, tell me if that is any better with the sound. I think it should be. It should be. It should be. Okay, here we go. Michael Rodney says, no report. Sea level along the U.S. coastline average to rise 10 to 12 inches. I read that in the next 30 years. I think it's going to be worse, though, because check out what's going on in Miami, which will be as much as the rise measured over the last 100 years. Sea level is rising will vary regionally along U.S. coast because of the changes in both land and ocean height. Sea level rise will create a profound shift in coastal flooding over the next 30 years by causing tide and storm surge heights to increase and reach further inland by 2050. Moderate, typically damaging flooding is expected to occur on average more than 10 times as often as it does today and can be intensified by local factors. If you doubt how that, what that looks like, go to Florida, Miami on certain days and you just start to see water flood out of the drains just out of the blue sunny day beautiful hot day that's what you get tens of millions second one tens of millions of people already live in areas of risk of coastal flooding with more moving to the coast every time the port, the report noted population migration combined with rising sea levels and other climate impacts will increase their vulnerability that is sad it's true it's coming it's here i think we all know it but you know what folks we can do something about it. I'm going to continue reading that in a minute. I just have to get another Q going. Come on, Q. Where are you? There you are, Q. Okay, continuing to read, and it says, it will impact the vulnerability and the risk of flooding for critical infrastructure affecting such areas as transportation, energy, water, and military. According to the report, this isn't a problem for some future generation who haven't been born. It's happening in our lifetime as most of the world's populations live nearby the coast. This sea level rise will critically impact over a billion people worldwide, triggering a migration crisis the likes of which we've never seen nor are remotely ready for. Continuing with the narrative we have here, um, Michael Reynolds estimates 73% of U.S. now immune to Omicron. Uh, is that enough? No. About half of the eligible Americans have received booster shots. There have been nearly 80 million confirmed infections overall, and many of these infections have never been reported. One influential model uses those factors, and others estimate that 73% of Americans are for now immune to manic, omic, Omicron. 
the dominant variant, and that could rise to 80% by mid-March. Omicron COVID tore through our population so quickly. Fast burn. That's the thing. Whenever you burn in quickly, you generally burn out quickly as well. That's why, you know, usually because you die. But in this case, it's better news. People were inoculated. So it was better, but we still have a lot of people dying every day. Biden rejects Trump's attempt to shield White House visitor logs, including for day of January 6th attack. In a letter to the National Archives, White House Counsel Dana Ramos wrote, Biden has determined that a certain executive privilege is not the best interest of the United States, and therefore it's not justified. As to the records and portions of records, Remus explained the administration decision by noting that while Trump decided to block the visitor logs from the public view on claims about national security, the Biden administration voluntarily discloses such visitor logs on a monthly basis. The visitor's log details access and influence over the White House and should always be part of the public record so that journalists can put two and two together whenever corruption or malfeasance shows up. I'll print that on the screen a little bit later for you, Michael, if you remind me later. Uh, let me see if I, what it looks like. Okay, I think I can put that up real quickly for you. Uh, I hope it doesn't blink too much, but we'll try. We'll try our best to get your screenshot on there to see what we can do as far as connecting and configuring it to show your GOP position. I think that's it right there. Let's see if that is okay. Uh, that's going to come out. It's going to blink a while, but let's let it blink. All right, so that is a screen. We haven't yet figured out the driver issues on that, but that is a graph that Brother um, uh, Rudnan wanted us to put out there in case I want to move it off, in case it's going to generate a crash or something. I don't know. When things go crazy like that, it concerns me a bit. All right, continuing with our discussion here, what we got here is... Para ver, para ver, para ver. All right, uh, Michael says, I've seen this one floating around on social media, felt a need to provide a fact check. Study on SARS-CoV-2 antibodies levels following infection don't prove that the recovered patients are protected from reinfection. While it's not, it's a known fact that SARS-CoV-2 infection can protect against reinfection for some time. The levels of infection induce immunity varies from person to person, and SARS-CoV-2 infection carries an inherent risk of severe symptoms, hospitalization, uh, sequelae, or death. By contrast, vaccinations is a safer and effective strategy to, order, to acquire immunity and can also enhance infection-induced immunity. Sequelae is a medical term that I hadn't heard before, nor did I, meaning the long-term consequences of a disease or injury, i.e. long COVID. Also, the exact duration of post-infection naturally uh, natural immunity is not exactly known. Best estimates from multiple various studies shows warning, warning, warning. Anyhow... Uh, that's good information, Brother Radnim. Good information, as usual. You are invaluable. All right, continuing we got Nanette Bird says, says something is intermittent. Alice uh, Water says, sounds good here. Bridge MCP says, yeah, his sound is a tad gurgle, clearer but louder. Okay, I need to find a, you know, my daughter was telling me, Daddy, why don't you get one of those stand-up head uh, phones so got this table, you know, I'm in a already a modified modified studio. Not a lot of room to put that that new mic, but uh, you know, we'll we'll play around with things to make it much better for you. Uh, sounds is a little tinny with lots of treble. Yeah, yeah. And you know, my voice isn't a trebly voice, so um, we'll we'll try to get another. We'll probably get a larger microphone. That you know, we've tried many, but we'll see. 
All right, let's see what else we got here. Eric Hayes says, here is your smart policy at work in LA County. The council is ready to strip the sheriff of powers to for a vaccine mandate firing 4,000 officers in a crime way would uh, be suicide for the city. Well, smart leaders. Oh, I think it's a good thing if this guy think he's, you know, he doesn't want to follow policy. He wants everybody to follow his policies, right? Well, there's a policy that they, that folks said, take the vaccine. You don't want it. That's fine. Leave. Has nothing to do with crime. Message to the radicals from all the draconian measures and power push done that last year, etc. Since being in office, the time is up and can't unhide what has been done through police policymakers. So now saying the opposite, like you support security and heart. Oh, we've always supported security. It is in the figment of the imagination on the right that somehow the left is soft on crime. We are not soft on crime. We are just humane. We just don't believe in bullying people and killing people. Tom C. sounds okay now, much better than echo chamber of right-wing media. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that Eric Hayes says. There's a growing sense among Democrats that it's time for a change of course at, at the White House, whether that means new strategy or new staffers on the political front. President Joe Biden's numbers aren't getting any better. His message is resonate, isn't resonating. Of course it's not resonating. Look. What Biden and the company has not realized is that there is a machine out there intent on lying to people. I mean, look at look how effective it has worked on you, Mr. Hayes. I mean, if you take a look at the numbers, the number if, if Trump had the numbers that that um, Biden had or has, Trump would be flying through the air and, and he would be bragging. Democrats don't know how to do that. So what we are going to do is we are going to do it for them. So I'll be having a lot of stories of real things that are happening in the economy and real declines and deficits that we have as a society. I'll be putting that out and a lot of other independents will be doing the same as well. well. Hopefully we may not get you on board, Eric Hayes, because you have a particular prejudice, but we're likely to get most clear thinking Republicans or enough clear thinking Republicans to ensure that we don't have a false revolution, meaning a false change in government in November. I still think this is up in the air. I don't think it's written. I do think the Democrats hold on to the House and the Senate, and I want them to start acting that way and start doing things doing things to ensure that happens. Melanie Keelan says, I'm here, and thank you for being here, dear Melanie. Ira K says, my wife, given 19 boxes of N95 masks to give out for free, seems too little too late. Maybe the administration should invest in therapeutic treatment instead of masks. No, they should invest in both. Mass has a purpose, and that's where limited thinking is a problem. Mass has their purpose. Daniel Ledo says, I wonder if he will talk about the rejection of progressive values in San Francisco. We talked about that yesterday. And that wasn't a rejection of progressive values. That was a rejection of stupid values. Why would you have a school that is meant to, to work with people who want to really be just absolutely ahead and just say we will make it solely by lottery? You don't do that. If you have a, ki a, a school for kids who want to be in advanced courses, you may want to have a lottery just for all the kids that are capable of doing it, not just blanket a place and say this is a this is a um, so, I mean, there are a lot of things like that. Again, you have to stop looking at things at the macro level uh, on these issues that the, the right wing would like you to do. The right wing leadership, they are not very smart. Well, they are very smart, and they just assume that their people who follow them are very dim. Have you tried uh, IO bit driver booster to fix this? No, I haven't because those drivers, those fixes usually aren't effective for rather complicated setups that I have. But, you know, um, I haven't tried it, but maybe I should. Uh, Maywood says, hello, everyone from Longwood Beach. Hello, my dear brother, Maywood. 
Eric Hayes says, both injections are natural or beneficial, just balance of the two. I don't know the f- complete things, but I do know that the per the one that you the, the fit the one that's um, given the RM, RM, mRNA uh, have better profiles for tendon different types of COVID. Unlike if you get COVID for one, you may not have resistance for the other. Tom C says, uh, U.S. Excess, excess deaths during pandemic has surpassed one million, and COVID killed most uh but other diseases add into the toll cdc says still average of 2200 u.s covid deaths per day that's a shame all right let's see Egberto has the typical great radio voice oh really eric thank you brother i love you for that uh eric says soften crime false eric even though i love you you're absolutely wrong um let's see what else we got here bridge tp says they said the three shots should do for now but expect a fourth my daughter is going to get a fourth because she's immunosuppressed because of the um steroid that she's taken to reduce the swelling in her brain after the stroke so you know yeah fourth is gonna miss her i'll probably get the fourth to make sure that i minimize the effect of possibly infecting her uh let's see daniel ado this one from redden and i figure since daniel brought up i better read it it says daniel ado this one's for you number uh a number San Francisco School Board recall wasn't the rejection of progressive politics. It, it's easy to drool over the storyline that the most progressive city in America just oosted three progressive school members. But disagreements over politics had little to do with San Francisco parents' decision to push for the first local recall in 39 years. Many, in fact, agreed with the broader goals of the three oosted board members. There were disputes over methodology, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a recall supporter who didn't speak openly about wanting to close the racial achievement gaps in academic performance that recall commissioners Addison Collins, Gabriela Lopez, and Faruga Moliga as said they prioritize. I agree. Lee Grant says hard on cops, soft on crime. Nope, 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 nope. We just want honesty. And uh, I got a video that I'm going to show you guys in a little bit that I think prove everything that we've always said. Uh, Bridge MCP says E2247, the difference in the U.S. is telling everyone now what we know. Back then, the U.S. didn't share with NATO. NATO. Rose Williams says, hi, everyone. Can't find comment line on FB. What's wrong, Sister Rose? It should be there. How you doing, Rose? Um, I saw you yesterday after I closed the session, and I don't think I saluted you. So you are getting a triple salute from Egberto today. Rose Williams, welcome aboard. Rose Williams, we love you. Thank you for being here. Eric Hay says, no one is wearing masks or anything. They want to be free and think for themselves. Yeah, I know they can be free to die. I get you, brother. I, you know, that, that false freedom that the left, that the right likes to speak about is amazing since they're so adorable. Ador- they so love the corporation, which is one of the most communist institutions there is. Not communist, actually. A fascist institution that there is. And you like it. It, it, it always bewildered me, you know. But, hey, who am I? All right, Daniel, they'll say a lot of other independents will do as well. Uh, LOL. So a bunch of vloggers all parrot the same thing at the same time. And he actually believe he is independent. Yes, independent. You know, independents also follow values that are co uh, coincident with them. So that's what we do. Yes, we do. All right, Michael Ronis says, Alberto, if you're running a Windows-based computer, it doesn't matter how complex you mod up your system. IOBit Booster will update your system to all the newest drivers for every piece of hardware you have installed. All right, Michael, you're, I hope you're selling IOBit because you just convinced me that to try it. Okay, brother? Love you, man. Deb Denny, 
02247, you'd actually believe the Kremlin's narrative, especially if they're talking about the Donbass region. This area is controlled by Russian lackeys. They threw out Ukrainian officials. Rose Williams says, because I can't comment on FB. There you go, Rose, but I see your comment now. British MCP say, yeah, like I said, couldn't yesterday. All right, let's see what else I got here. E2247 says, civilization, colonization, extermination. Any questions? 21st century authoritarian European values. Wow. All right, Daniel says the pandemic is over. We now have to get the reality through the heads of those traumatized with those false fears. It's not false fears. The dead shows that you you show the video of the NJ Kids police. That was obvious. I am going to do that just because you asked, and I'm going to stop my comment. Keep on commenting. I want to show you this video. Let, let's go ahead and prep it. One of the one of the things that people always talk about, right? Whenever we talk about police bias, people say, "Oh, it's in your imagination." But they don't only say that it's in our imagination. They make it believe like the circumstances were different. What I love about this video that I'm going to show you right now is we didn't have to talk about different circumstances. We just knew several things. We knew the police approached two fighting teens. We know the police did not know which teen instigated the violence. And we know that the police showed two distinctly different ways of dealing with the teens. When we've talked about having to teach the, you know, put more money elsewhere, this is why we're saying because the police is inherently, inherently an institution that has prejudice within its core. I want you to watch this and then we'll take it on the other side. You cannot now say, oh, it's different circumstances because this was the same event. Check this out. Now, if that doesn't tell the entire story, two teenagers fighting, the police approach. The police doesn't know who threw the first punch, if it's just a regular combined dispute with both of them just as guilty or what. What they do is they kindly put the white kid to sit down in the chair. They leave him alone. He's not a threat. And they jump on the back of the black kid, pin him down. After the other cop, instead of staying with the other perpetrator of violence, that what did they do? They went and put their knees on the back of the black kid. Now, this is the same event. Many times, whenever we bring these stories up, people say, oh my God, these, it's, these are different storylines. You can't compare apples and oranges. Well, this was the same event. And, you know, for those who say, oh, this is one instance, we have seen this repeated over 
and over and over again. And it gets old when we constantly have to hear that this isn't real. But let me tell you what I want to do. Before we continue, I'm going to play our interview with, um, that I want to get today with this politician. And then I'll come back and we will further discuss this particular issue. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis. Today we have a very special guest. She is running to defeat an incumbent, a strong one at that, Senate District 15, the one and only John Whitmer. So who do we have with us? None other than Molly Molly Cook. Cook. (laughs) Molly, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Well, let me tell you something. When uh, you decided to join this race and you decided to go big, didn't you? I did. I did. It felt right. Well, I, not only did it feel right, it is time, the time is actually right for us to change the definition of leadership in this country. So I, I'm happy that, uh, that, that, that you're doing this. First of all, let's start a little bit about, uh, tell, tell me a little about you. What kind of person are you? How'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up, grow up that sort of thing? Oh, great. So I grew up in the Northwest suburbs. I grew up in Spring near Klein High School um, with my parents, older brother, younger sister. And um, I went to high school in the Woodlands at College Park High School. Most people don't know that one, but um, high school in the Woodlands. And then I did uh, undergrad at UT and actually started as a music performance major and ended up switching into nursing. It didn't feel right to spend time in a practice room by myself for hours a day. I really wanted to be a nurse and achieve um, what was basically a childhood dream of being a nurse. And uh, the first time I ever wanted to be a nurse was in seventh grade. And my pastor's wife was the uh, my dog. <laughs> hey, my it, 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 it's real. It's good. It's good. It's real. We're real. <laughs> um, <laughs> The pastor's wife at my church was actually the nurse at my junior high, and I spent a lot of time in her office, and I saw her respond when a kid actually cracked his head open on the, on the playground one time, and she, this is gross little TMI, but she came in carrying like a trash bag full of like blood, and <laughs> I thought, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen, and I want to be the person that you call when an emergency happens, and so that seed was planted, and I did end up becoming an emergency room nurse, which was my dream. Well, you know, um, especially in these times, I think um, I think there are two professions that I really uh, revere. That is teaching, <clears throat> teaching, and nursing. And the reason why is that you just look at the history of, of of the things of what we need right now, and those are just our basic needs. Now, you decided to um, just well, well, first of all, activism isn't new for you at all. Tell us a little bit about how you've engaged the community before, you know, many people think, you know, decide I want to be a politician and I just go in there and I, I want to get votes. But uh, very few people really earn, deserve the right to earn the vote. Tell us some of what the things that you've done. Yeah, so when I moved back, I got a, um, let me let me start. I was an emergency room nurse because I wanted to be able to deal with emergencies, but also because you get to really understand what's going on with folks. Um, I always say that the emergency room in jail is where people end up when we don't know what else to do for them. And it was very eye-opening. And so I was motivated to learn more about how I could help people and got a master's in public health. And when I moved back to Houston, ready to get to work, I was looking for ways to get involved in air quality. 
And that's how I found my way to the I-45 fight. And the I-45 fight has been the most meaningful and fulfilling work of my entire life. And it's been really exciting because we've, A, been really successful. That project is still not expanded. And B, we worked across diverse groups, uh, across the city, county, every area affected by I-45, and worked together lockstep, which, um, you know, a lot of people talk about nonprofit work. People end up siloed. They don't work together well. We didn't see that at all. It's been, um, it's been really, really cooperative work um, with a lot of people. And what I was excited to bring to that fight uh, I remember showing up to the first meeting and saying, well, is this, is this an election issue? It was during our city elections at that time. And then they were like, will you chair the elections committee? <laughs> so, so, you know, you show up, you end up doing, you end up in charge of something. But anyway, um, and that was kind of the first thing I offered. And then we did a bunch of door knocking. So I organized, um, you know, I said, why aren't there residents in this room who are directly affected? And so I organized door knocking and we went out and this was um, largely in 2022 when the pandemic was kind of in full throw for all of us. We didn't know what was going on, but door knocking was still a safe activity to do. So we spent a lot of time organizing that. We hit as many doors as we possibly could that would be affected by the expansion, um, started translating everything into Spanish so we could reach folks in the language they preferred to be reached in. And the group grew and we built a real grassroots resistance. It was very exciting. Now, SD15, uh, you, you get elected, you won the election. And you not only win the primary, but eventually you win the whole thing and you, you, you go to Austin and you're going to support that particular district. There's a whole lot of needs in the entire state of Texas, um, but specific to your district. What's one of the first things that you intend to go ahead and do for your um, constituents and the constituents of Texas as a senator? You're responsible for the whole darn state. Yeah, absolutely. One of the first things, and so if I went in the primary, um, you know, we have a safety district and I won't stop campaigning. We, we have to make sure, right, this, this doesn't slip, but I will have the opportunity to start fundraising and, and knocking doors for other candidates who will have a more competitive general. So that would be very exciting to continue to get out the vote in the district and make sure that our Democrats are, are showing up and feeling powerful at the polls and then moving into the session as well. And of course, I'll start preparing for the session. Kind of what kind of bills do we want to submit on day one and, and who do we want to partner with and what kind of relationships are we building? Um, you know, with a public health background, I have a unique preparedness to really look at what are the needs and what are the assets of the district? Um, why are there problems? Where are their successes and how can we build on those? So that is the work that would begin after the March primary if I were to win. And it really is a very diverse district in every sense of the word. In this neighborhood, you only hear about flooding. In this neighborhood, you hear about schools. In this neighborhood, you hear about, um, you know, displacement. And in every neighborhood, you do hear about voting rights. It's a big concern that's been at every single door. So all of those issues are near and dear to my heart. I want to focus on public health and public safety. And what that means can be very broad, right? You know, what makes us healthy? What makes us safe? And it's not just the obvious things a lot of the time, and it's things like environmental justice. And that's sort of the why we do anything. You know, it needs to be equitable. It needs to be outcomes focused. So environmental justice is a core value. And then um, I believe in the power of organizing. And that would be something that I would bring that I see missing from the Texas Senate is really a focus on organizing, on making sure that whoever is in Austin, folks feel powerful to advocate for themselves uh, are educated on the process and where they can be involved and where they can speak up for themselves. 
and then supporting people in advocating for themselves and, um, you know, making contacts across the state so we can shape change in whatever issue areas are important to folks. Now, Molly, that's a candidate and a candidate message. Every single candidate, not only on the state level, not only on the local level, but on a national level, that's what I would like to hear out of them that they are going out there to organize and they're going to talk to the people, bring the people in. One of the problems that I find that we have is people all want to govern in the abstract. They don't want to go into the neighborhoods. They don't want to go into the barrios. They don't want to go into the ghettos or all these other places. And it seemed to me like you're ready and willing to go. Now, uh, when the Chronicle decided to endorse, I, I wanted to get a full picture of all these issues. And I found it a bit insulting and pathetic that one of the reasons to keep somebody in office is he's been there and he has experience of having been there without saying, did he fight for uh, monies that was already allocated for Texas, the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which uh, because as a state, we have refused it, has continued to kill a bunch of Texans. You don't have to use those words. You're a politician now and you have to, you're responsible for knowing how to say things. But in that light, we have a legislature in Austin that does not have the best interests of the citizens at hand. How are you going to use your power of organizing to let people understand? Because uh, let me back up. This is a long question, but I have to ask it in this manner. If tech Texans are intelligent, our populations intelligent, just uninformed or misinformed, there is money on the table already paid for by Texans to give all our indigent care, to give those with a low salary care. Nobody knows it and nobody is telling our citizens that. How do you intend to do it without them, without allowing them to caricature your support for such a uh, for such a bill. I would be so excited to go around the state to make sure people are aware to go into every neighborhood. I see a lot of opportunities, specifically with Medicaid expansion, transportation reform. Um, I can tell you with total confidence <laughs> that there are a lot of people mad at TxDOT across the state in all kinds of different communities, whether that is suburban, urban, or rural. Um, and then, of course, with education, the state is failing all of us in all three issue areas, and people are upset about it. Um, you know, whether it's broadband access or Medicaid expansion, the people want it. 70% of Texans want Medicaid expansion, but I think fewer than 45% even knew that we were one of 12 states to opt out of it. You know, there's like you're saying, there's an education gap there. So um, I am a working person. I'm a nurse. I clock in and out of my job. I see what's going on with folks. I'm doing the real work. And I feel confident that I could make a difference going into communities and making sure people know. And, you know, if, if there's a Republican legislator or a Democratic legislator who is not representing the will of their people, then let's talk to their people. You know, let's have people talk to people. Um, and shift power. I'm not interested in holding on to power and keeping it centralized. I'm interested in 
making the people powerful so that we can really shape this change. So I think it looks like getting in your car, going down the road and talking to people and doing that um, nurturing and loving work that it takes to build an organization. Now, as a nurse and someone who knows it, it seems like you're, I don't know how you're saying it, sumamente qualificada, as you are ultimately, uh, that you, you're definitely uh, qualified to challenge the, your, the current senator on that particular issue. And not only that, to garner support from his base on, on specifically on healthcare, but all the other issues that you just mentioned, vote transportation and otherwise, um, are you, do you have the, what it, do you have the resources to really take care of getting your message out in the form that reaches all those who are voting? I would say yes. And I would, um, our campaign has already showed that, you know, we, um, I can probably say that today we've knocked over 47,000 doors and that is with, um, a pretty much all volunteer team. Um, you know, we, we definitely, uh, fairly compensate the canvassers who are, um, working for us, but everybody else is a volunteer on the team and we've knocked that many doors. We have over a hundred volunteers. So that is, you know, that's just the campaign. That's us starting day one with $0 and one volunteer, right? <laughs> that's mm -hmm. the movement we've been able to make since December 13th. And, um, the district is being reached in ways that has never been reached before. You know, the incumbent's website is still only in English. Ours is in English and Spanish. Um, and with a little more resources, we'll get it in Vietnamese so that we can reach more people and, and more languages. Um, we have spoken to people like a woman in Spring Branch who told us her door has never been knocked on before. So the work of earning trust is slow right? You have to show up and you have to show up over and over again and you have to give before you expect to receive and you have to be willing to uh, show people, make them feel heard. And the way they feel heard is by you acting on what they've told you, right? So um, I'm really confident in my abilities, basically with or without resources to do this work because I've been doing this work. But with resources that would come with the state Senate seat, I know that we can make change. Well, look, um, I always ask this is the last question and that and it's a free for all for you and that is uh, tell me what would you have liked me to ask you whether one two three ten questions that you want to concentrate in one answer and let me know let let the audience know what they need to know about you and how they can reach you okay I would say just what is my what's the most because a lot of people ask what's your what's your main priority right and and the answer really is that it's not my priorities it's, it's whatever the priority of the people are. So the way I kind of translate that is bottom-up planning. So whether we're talking about policies, projects, or programs, we have to take a bottom-up approach to planning. And we don't do that in Texas. It's very top-down. And to do bottom-up, you have to center affected communities from the very beginning. So if you're building a freeway, you don't come in 20 years into designing it and ask them where they want an exit. You show up day one and say, mm -hmm. hey, you would lose your homes. What should we do? Um, so that is my value. I really do believe that people are smart and people need to be involved, that diversity creates the best outcomes and that everyone needs a seat at the table. And I'm committed to that. And then uh, to find us and to find out more, you can go to mollyfortexas.com. All words, no numbers, mollyfortexas.com. And then we're Molly for Texas across all social media as well. And you can really get a feel for who I am and what we're working on. Molly Cook, Senate, the State Senate District, 15, uh, she's, she's going to be known pretty soon, maybe, as the incumbent killer. 
<laughs> Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I think she is a stunning young lady. And Daniel Lado, I am going to just address your comment because I want, you know, I, I want to show people something that's always done. Molly is a very intelligent woman. She's a registered nurse. She she wants to do something for the community. She has been in the community. Very, She's an activist that's been doing a whole lot of good for people. And the first comment Daniel Lado could make of her is, well, with such fair skin, why does she have the bright red lipstick on? You know what? Because she likes it. Because she feels that's who she is. And you know what? I think she's a beautiful woman with her red lipsticks on and her fair skin because that's what she likes. I think it's pleasant to the eye as well. But it didn't really matter what the hell I think or what Daniel Ledo thinks. She is her own woman. I think she has proven that throughout, throughout. Uh, thank you very much for that interview, um, Miss Cook. I enjoyed it, and you are going places. Thank you. Anyhow, let's continue. Uh, previously, previously, I mentioned about um, the, the video that we showed you about the police officers bringing down the people. A lot of bringing down the, the black kid while it's the white kid sat on the chair. You know, they always talk about the reason why they use that overpowering force is to protect the cops against the potential of somebody getting hurt. Well, these were two teenagers, right? Fighting with their hands. You know, the olden days, that's how we used to do it. I don't know about you guys, but in the olden days, yo, yeah, 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 I used to enjoy doing the little fight here and there. That's what these guys were doing. In fact, the black kid was protecting, from what I understand, uh, a kid from being bullied by the white guy. And in the fight, in the process, the cops pull the white kid off, puts him in the chair, and forgets about him. He could have been armed. He could have had a gun. He could have had a knife. And then they jumped on the back of the black kid. And note, when they came, the white kid was on top of the black kid beating the black kid, right? So it's not like you can say, oh, the black kid was overpowering the other guy. The only difference that was in that particular story was that we saw how the police react to two boys in a fight. Everything else equal. And they were nice to one and they treated the other one like an animal. This is a constancy. And have you noticed that Daniel Ledo and, uh, and Eric Hayes, they haven't spoken about the behavior of those cops. I would, love to be, I would love to hear their thoughts. Because they're always defending them, right? See, those are the cops that I know. <clears throat> those are the cops that I know. That's how most of the cops that I know act. I'm not talking about my cousin who is a cop himself. Egberto Willis, please respond to Daniel Ledo's need to use foul language to the point of detriment to your show. Mr. Ledo, uh, it, would be, it would be kind. I try to have everybody talk among each other. Uh, I, I don't, please don't offend uh, the, the audience with using obscenities. I, had, I didn't see it in Annette Birdsmith. I, I, I didn't see the obscenities. Maybe I hadn't read that one. But I think we can be civil with each other. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, I, I'll keep on reading these things during the other thing that I want to play, but I want to play for Reed Sakadia 
this is important. Farid Zakaria uh, points out that Denmark, the people who acted responsibly, and had we acted responsibly, we could have been Denmark. Take a look at how Denmark has turned out and how the chosen country, the exceptional country, has. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. On the first of this month, more than two years after the discovery of the first cases of COVID-19, Denmark became the first country in the European Union to lift all COVID restrictions. Gone are the indoor mask mandates. Gone are the isolation requirements for the infected. If two years of fear, uncertainty and loss had crushed Dane's spirits, it was not apparent the first weekend the restrictions were lifted when they flocked to nightclubs. This might seem alarming, but the truth is that the country's response to the pandemic thus far has been in many ways exemplary. In 2020, when the world knew little about the virus and how it spread, Denmark was one of the first countries in Europe to lock down. But as the New York Times notes, since then, the country has adopted a very flexible approach to COVID restrictions that the public has by and large supported. There were no draconian curfews. Guidance to socially distance and mask was generally followed, in part because it was often re-evaluated. Officials, including the prime minister, held regular televised press conferences about the pandemic. And there was little talk of a vaccine mandate, nor did there have to be. 81% of Danes are fully vaccinated. That compares to just 64% of Americans. So how did Denmark do it? The key may lie in the fact that the country has long had high levels of trust in the government and citizens have high levels of trust in one another. According to a new study in The Lancet that compares caseloads in 177 countries and territories from January 2020 to September of last year, those are the two most significant factors that are associated with low numbers of infections of COVID-19. This is an important finding. Siddhartha Mukherjee once called COVID an epidemiological mystery because it confounds conventional wisdom about which countries should fare better in a pandemic, namely rich ones. According to the New Lancet study, the rankings of the famous or infamous Johns Hopkins Global Health Security Index for the countries that were theoretically best prepared for a pandemic had no correlation with either the COVID case counts or the proportion of those infections that led to deaths. The authors looked at a dizzying array of metrics to find out what did. They looked at population level factors, age, body mass index, smoking habits. They looked at environmental factors, air pollution, altitude, even the number of bat species living in each location. They looked at structural factors, democracy, populism, levels of economic inequality. Age had the most significant link to fatality rates among countries, of course. But according to the study, the two factors that had the most statistically significant link to case numbers were citizens' trust in the government and trust in each other. Not inequality, not democracy, not even the effectiveness of the government or how much it's spent on health. So the U.S. with historically low levels of government trust and a high degree of political polarization had 545 cases per thousand citizens. Canada, which fares better in terms of trust, had just 346. Denmark, where one estimate shows 90% of the population trusts its government, had just 166. But it's not just rich countries that demonstrate this trend. 
As the Washington Post reports, Vietnam has a closed single-party political system and few hospital beds for its population, but it has a high degree of trust in the government. And it had 67 cases per thousand individuals, just 67, from January 2020 to September of last year. The study found that if every country had the level of trust that Danes do in their government, the global caseload might have been nearly 13% lower. If every global citizen had as much trust in his countrymen as the South Koreans, we might have had 40% fewer cases. Combined, that would have meant 440 million fewer coronavirus cases, according to Tom Boyke, one of the paper's authors. We all bemoan the lack of trust in the United States these days, but this shows how, in an emergency, a lack of trust in social capital can actually cost lives hundreds of thousands of lives. I'm Egberto Willis, as host of Politics Done Right, a progressive radio media show on Pacifica Network's KPFT 90.1 FM Houston that engages all ideologies. I found that our political angst isn't mostly ideological. There is a well-designed effort by many in power to control us. If we are at each other's throats, we are less likely to demand our economic and local wishes. In that light, I wrote three books. I wrote the first one titled, As I See It, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom, to describe the entire economy in a manner we can all understand. It highlights why it was designed to pill for most as it empowers a few, the chosen. The second book, titled, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, take it to the next level. After understanding how the system pilfers, it is incumbent that we can speak to our peers to empower a change. The third book, How to Make America Utopia, Take Away the Economy from those who rigged it gives us a place to land after learning about our economy that is dysfunctional for most and learning how to engage the other side we point out what would make an economy that works for all each book stands on its own but together they provide the full picture please consider getting one or more you will undoubtedly learn be entertained and help us continue the mission with our blogs articles videos and books anyway folks thank you so kindly please remember Remember, please remember, go to politi- click that join button to become a member via YouTube, but you can always go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Support us on Patreon as well, politicsandright.com slash patron. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, or politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Everybody knows how to speak PayPal, I mean how to speak, give through PayPal. And, of course, we have some new stuff at our store. Please check it out and try it out. We have a lot of new stuff. Politicsandright.com slash store. Politicsandright.com slash store. And get those books that I just uh, talked about at politicsandright.com slash books. Politics done. Whoops. Go here. Politicsandright.com slash books. And, of course, if you want the all-encompassing way that shows all the different options that you have to support us, politicsdoneright.com slash support. Welcome aboard, Peggy Lopez. Welcome aboard. I saw some other new folks in here. Bridge MCP says, I curse way too much. It's where it's where and when and what you say before it, like the lipstick comment. Now let's move on. Yeah, I'm going to move on from the curse. I don't try to con- control people's languages. I don't also, I try to ask people to be civil with each other. I also try to tell people to please go ahead. And, um, and by the way, Tilwana, I don't block people. I respect people too much to block them. If you have the desire to come and be a part of us, why would I want to block you? I'm honored, all of you, including the foul mouth one. But I ask you, hey, try not to use the foul to offend another human being 
Okay, I mean, it's just just a matter of loving your neighbor. That's all. You know, no 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 biggie, right? Uh, Tiala, I don't agree with what everyone says or does, but they still have the right to be who they are, and I'm with you 100%, Miss Wilson. Ah, uh, let's see what else we got here. The duck that quacks. How you doing, my brother? I had four negative interactions with local police in New Jersey. One great one with him. New... Let me let me be frank. I've had good. Uh, I've had several good interactions with cops. In fact, I got a cop commended because of how well he treated me. I blogged about it. I threw it up on the radio on KPFT 90.1. And the, his sergeant heard about it, uh, called me up or emailed. I don't remember what happened. But uh, after speaking to me and reading my blog, that particular officer got a commendation for being a good officer after I reported about it. So, you know, I report the good and the bad. But the problem is that there are too many of them that are bad. And when I say too many that are bad, even those that don't do anything bad but are complicit, they are bad. Okay, because if they know of what's going on and they allow it to continue and they don't report it through the grapevine or whatever, they're bad. What happened to that young kid immediately showed that 14, I think it was 14 or something like that. Those two kids learned something very important from adults. They learned something very important. You know, you may just look at it as, okay, the black kid got thrown in for the cops made a mistake. But he didn't only make a mistake. He said he showed a supremacy in, 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 how, in, thought, in the thought process of teenagers, every single one of them watching there. Every single one of them say, what's the point? What's the point of being good? It was said that the black kid was dis defending another kid. Another kid. Okay? What's the point in being good? I'm, he may go and say, look at this. I am doing good, and I am the one that slammed on the ground, thrown uh, uh, handcuffs thrown on. What's the point? So when these, when these police officers do bad, when they take, when, when they, they show their vile racism and they do bad, it doesn't only affect that particular incident, but every kid that was watching know that, ah, if I do this, I can get away with it, and he doesn't. That's why you can have that woman in Central Park saying, um, it, uh, you know, when she got mad at this black guy who told her to be quiet with her dog or something with her dog, she wanted to lash back. And she just said, hey, I'm going to call the cops and said you said that you, you try to attack me or whatever. She already knew what was going to happen, what would have happened. That's what it's all about. And that's what those kids who watch that learned as well. There's a distinct difference in policing in America. And for all those folks that go out there and want to put their heads in the sand and, oh, it's not true, it's your imagination or the situations are different. This particular incident showed differences were not there. In fact, you saw from the beginning the white guy as the aggressor and the black guy paid for it through the cops. Why, you know, what's to give? When these guys throw their hands up in the air and say, why be good? Doesn't pay. That's how some of them would look at it. I am there to tell them, you always be good. You always be moral. You always do the right thing. But that one incident with that, th those cops proved to them that they were the lesser being, that those cops treated, not they were the lesser being, those cops treated them like the lesser being. 
Let me guess, y'all still believe the Russian collusion lie, proven lies. <laughs> Why are we talking about Russian collusion lies? Anyhow, um, let's see any other things that you guys have in here because I have another video, but I don't have enough time left. So let's see what else is in the thread here. Uh, throw something in a thread, whatever you want me to talk about, guys. Whatever you want me to talk about, throw it in the thread. Uh, let's see what we got. They followed it because they care for each other. Tiala Wallace, whoever said that they report people opinions, that, that one. All right, going down. The duck that quack says, Putin paid the NRA to support the GOP. That is a proven fact. Uh, what else have we got? Anybody else has a uh, E2247 or world is in danger? Traditional certainties are crumbling. Threat, threats and vulnerabilities are multiplying. And the rules-based order is increasingly under attack. True. Bridge MCP says, Egberto, it also makes those white kids standing around yelling nigga empowered like the cops are with them. You know? Bridge, you actually said something that I hadn't thought about, but you're absolutely right, girlfriend. You're absolutely right. I didn't think about that one. because I mean, that one, you know, the N-word has such little effect on me. I mean, it still have a lot of effect on a lot of folk, right? And in fact, in, I have some organizations that I'm in, they completely disagree with my stance. I believe that a lot of times we give the word power because we actually acknowledge it. For me, somebody calls me by the N-word, I look at them and I said, you must be having a bad day or I know you're not speaking to me or did I have, am I reflecting in a mirror or something? Or, you know, I, the, when I tell you that the word means I have so much, so little to me, absolutely, it has no meaning. I mean, you know how people get bent up. In other words, you want to get, if you want to get somebody black or whatever bent up, call them the N-word and they go into a panic or they go into a rage. I generally feel a little bit of sorry for the person saying it. Is that a word to use? Like, I feel for you, you poor thing. Tiala Wilson said, we need to love and respect each other for who we are, or we will never be able to unite. Girl, you're absolutely right. It will always be little stupid things that separate us. Divided, we fall every time. And that's why even the people that give hell in this room, I figure that my way of being uh, will eventually, the, the honesty of my truths, honesty of what I do, will ultimately win them over. Not necessarily like, oh, I've seen the light. Not that kind of a thing at all. Anyhow, Daniel Ledo says, Egberto, I think Breed should likewise be admonished for using a disgusting racial slur, brother. Uh <laughs> If you think I'm going to admonish my beautiful friend, you have another thing coined. I know Bridge MCP's heart. I know who Bridge MCP is. Bridge MCP is a one of our stalwarts in here. And if you think that anybody can compare and say that somehow she has some ill, Ill feelings toward anything, you are blind. Hey, Bridge, you know you're my girl. All right, uh, Nola VZ. Hey, Nola, my cousin, how you doing? There is a psychological price that black and brown kids experience when the situations that show a clear disparity in treatment. Nola, Nola, Nola. That is what I was trying to say. Now, you are the expert. You are the PhD. I've read it. 
you have lived it. So you understand what I'm saying and you can explain it much better than I possibly could how that actually works. So thank you for bringing in that point in into the process. Uh, uh, Nola Vizi, mi, mi, mi prima, PhD. Psych I think it's psychology, right? Well, anyway, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, let's see, Egberto, thank you for your efforts and for your work. Muchísimas gracias, hermano. Bridge MCP said, LOL, I was quoting the video. LOL. Bridge, you don't have anything to explain. You know, you, we know who you are. And now your hypocrisy is not hypocrisy, it's reality. Uh, Michael Rodin says, quoting someone else for pointing out racism isn't deserving of admonishment. Uh, Bridge MCP laughs. Uh, Egberto, you are good and honest, but we should all respect different opinions, so it's good to have this forum. I've never, ever taken you out of here, have I? I've, I love the difference in opinions. Look, I, I have Republican relatives, Democratic relatives, white relatives, black relatives, Latino relatives, traditional relatives. I have every kind of relative possible. My family is not a homogeneous family at all. So, And you know what's the funniest part about it? We all get along. We like to fight. We like to argue. We like to have fun together. We get along. And you say... Miss PhD, prima, es mi primita. Uh, regarding the last video, Denmark COVID cases are spiking after all restrictions have been lifted. A lesson for the U.S. If Americans believe they are done with COVID, COVID may not be done with us. So true. So true, Tom. So true. Anyway, folks, it's 5 o'clock, which means I need to get the hell out of here. But please remember, support the show. I'm going to give you one link right now. Uh, all the links are in politicsonright.com support. Politicsonright.com support is the way you can support the show. Remember, the other guys have mega bucks from the plutocracy, mega bucks from the the Coke brothers. They have Coke. You know who we have? You. They have Coke. We have you. Nola Vizi says, "Yeah, we get along because we are critical thinkers." You got that right, my beautiful cousin. Uh, the duck that quack says, recently read Democrats in rural PA are being forced underground by mega, mega terrorists. We'll fix that. COVID, we all have to live with it. All right. Michael Rodnan says, bye-bye. Nanette Bird-Smith says, Team Ashley Strong. Thank you, Egberto. You know I love you, Nanette Bird-Smith. I love all of you guys. Let's keep doing this. Please remember, we're going to change the world because it starts one person at a time for those of you who haven't yet check me out at kpft.org that is where i do the show on air politics on right uh, actually politics on right on air at kpft.org that air today at 12 tomorrow air at 11 a.m central time folks my name is egberto willies and you all know how i'm going to get out of here i am what out we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.